the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful Saturday. This is Al Fadi, and uh, thank you for tuning in uh, to Let Us Reason. As always, we are so thankful for partnership with us. Uh, remember that you can go to uh, to listen to the archive shows, or also you can uh, use any of the social media platforms such as soundclouds.com or uh, iStudio. And iTunes as well has it. Uh, YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, Sierra International, has some of the previous shows in there. However, we're still working on converting all of them uh, to start streaming through YouTube. Uh, today's uh, episode has to do with one of those Quranic dilemmas that I uh, uh, um, started it, uh, probably a um, couple of years ago. Uh, nevertheless, I always like to use these um, uh, challenges uh, to point out to certain things that are very obvious. This particular one comes from a post that I just recently um, had on Facebook, and uh, that was uh, this week. And uh, the title for that is Jesus is God According to the Quran. And the reason why I bring this up is our Muslim friends, and I was one of them, of course, uh, always denied the deity of Christ, uh, never believed that he is God incarnate. And uh, they will always point out out to uh, passages in the Quran that supposedly reveal the humanity of Christ and somehow overlook even some other passages that are found in the Quran itself that deals with some obvious descriptions of who Jesus is. Now, uh, when it comes to that, I wanted to point out first something related to the deity of Christ in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Gospel of John, chapter 5, starting from verse 21 to 20, uh, 29, John 5, 21 to and let's, let's take a look at that, and I'll be reading its SV uh, translation. Here's what it says. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. Here is the Lord Jesus Christ himself is saying, just as the Father, okay, just as God the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so will he, the Son of God, also gives life to whom he wishes. Now, here is, it could be the dead here is physical death, and also it could be spiritual death or both. John is notorious for meanings all the time. So here I would argue that it applies to both physical death and also spiritual death. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. So the Son is to 
so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. So notice the connection here. If you honor the Father, you're honoring the Son. If you dishonor the Son, you dishonor the Father. It's one and the same. No wonder Jesus later will say, Ten thirty. Of course, our Muslim friends, somehow, they always tend to pick and choose things from the Bible, especially from John, and they just overlook the bigger picture, and we're giving you a bigger picture. So, so far, we've learned from this particular passage that Jesus will raise people from the dead. He will give life. He has a power to elect as well. He says to whomever he chooses, and he has the right to judge. Okay? Uh, continuing on. He who does not honor the, the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Now we see that Jesus also have the power to give eternal life, okay? And meaning that you will spend eternity in the presence of God and does not come into judgment. So if you have eternal life, you are a recipient of the salvation from Christ, you will not be judged. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is, therefore, there is no condemnations uh, in, in Christ, basically, to those who are in Christ, okay? So if you're in Christ, there is no judgment, there is no condemnation, okay? Uh, continuing on, um, and does not come into judgment, but he passed out of death into life. So here we can see both, again, from physical death into physical life, uh, spending eternity and from spiritual death into spiritual life and the indication here is right now right at this minute you became alive in christ for all of eternity now truly truly i say to you an hour is coming and now is or now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the son of god and those who hear will live so you get the gist of what's going on here now, what is the intent, basically, behind why this post was listed? The post here is to, believe it or not, to show you that the Quran actually have confirmed that only God has the ability to do things like this, to raise the dead back to life, to give eternal life, to judge humanity. That's number one. In other words, the Quran is given these prerogatives to God. Therefore, by virtue of that, the Quran acknowledges then that Christ, by what he says, is God. But it gets even better. Nowhere in the Quran did the Quran ever refuted this section of the Bible by stating that Jesus is not the judge. Jesus cannot give eternal life. Jesus cannot raise from that. And in fact, the Quran actually ascribed some of the miracles that Jesus has accomplished is to raise people the dead, to also create, but that's a whole different you know, topic we can talk about. In fact, this, the Quran says that he is the sign of end time, and one of those renowned Islamic commentators, Ibn Kathir, stated that that indicated that he is also the judge, basically. So, what we're seeing here is that there is clear evidence from uh, not just the Bible, but even the Quran, that God alone has these abilities. Let me show you an example from the Quran in chapter 22 of the Quran, verse 6 and 7. This is what it says. That is because Allah, that's the God of Islam, he is the truth. It's kind of interesting because Jesus also is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And it is he who gives life to the dead. Notice. And it is he who is able to do all things. And surely the hour is coming. There is no doubt but uh, about it. And certainly Allah will resurrect those who are in the graves. Right here, it's clearly that that's a prerogative that belongs to Allah alone. Yet the Quran never says when it talks about Jesus. Anywhere in the Quran, when it talks about Jesus, never ever refuted what John says concerning Jesus. Never denied that Jesus can raise from the dead. It confirmed that. Never denied that Jesus is the giver of life. How will he raise people from the dead in the Quran if he's not giving him life, for instance? Never uh, refuted that Jesus will be the judge, especially at end time. So that's extremely important for us to remember. There's another verse from the Quran, chapter 6, verse 114. Shall I seek other than Allah to judge or for judge when he, it is who, has revealed unto you scripture, fully explained those unto whom we gave the scripture, no, it is revealed from the Lord, be not thou, meaning speaking to Muhammad in this case, of the waverers. So it appears that Muhammad basically was wavering according to this verse. He was wasn't so sure about things. He wasn't uh, on course, standing the course uh, based on this. So what's the point again? We're showing that the Quran ascribes certain prerogatives, certain divine powers to God alone. Part of it, to judge. Another one is to raise from the dead, to give people life. And at the same time, the Bible earlier already ascribed this to Jesus, and Jesus himself was the one who was saying this in John 5, from 21 all the way to 30. Jesus himself is the one who's ascribing these prerogatives to himself. The Quran, on the other hand, whenever it talks about Jesus, never ever refuted any of these sayings of Christ. Okay, so that's extremely important. So right there, we can use, I mean, I'm giving tools here. You can use the Quran along with the Bible to try to bridge those issues and show that Jesus and his prerogative are very divine, and therefore the Quran confirms that. Now, let me ask another question. Another post that I had there on November 10th uh, deals with a public challenge. As you know, I always issue public challenges to those who come in and just fabricate uh, facts and uh, make up their own uh, ideas and interpretations. Now, uh, this particular one challenges the fact that in the Quran, in chapter 4 of the Quran, Verse 164, in chapter 4 of the Quran, verse 164, it says the following. Of some messengers, we have already told you the story of others we have not. And to Moses, Allah spoke directly. Okay, so here's a question. If the Prophet of Islam is God's final messenger, the seal of the prophets, and the deliverer of the last message and religion, why in the world he didn't speak to him, period, directly or indirectly? He's always sending him an angel to speak to him. Not to mention that the prophet of Islam didn't even know the name and identity of that angel until later, almost 13 years later, and later called him Gabriel. So my challenge was to our uh, friends, our Muslim friends, show us one verse in the Quran. Just one. I all, my challenges are always simple. I always ask for one proof. That's it. I'm not asking. Just give me one verse and show me where did it say 
that Allah spoke to Muhammad like he did speak to Moses. Now, why is that crucial? Our Muslim friends always run around using Deuteronomy 18.18 as if it is speaking about Muhammad. If that's the case, meaning that Muhammad is a prophet unto you like Moses, okay? If he's like Moses, then this is a simple one. Did he ever speak directly with God face to face? No. How do we know this? The Quran itself never ever anything like this. So this is why I always issue these kind of challenges because I want my Muslim friends to sit down, relax, take a, a sip of a cup of tea and watch these things and read it for themselves. Don't let others just mislead you and tell you what you have to think. Read it yourself. Learn it yourself. Understand it yourself. It is extremely important that you yourself realize that there is an issue here and we need to deal with it. The issue has to do, do with your own you know, uh, salvation, your own need for a savior. We're all sinners. We need a savior. And therefore, we in Christ have no condemnation anymore because he has given us already eternal life. We have passed from death to life as a result of this. And we will not face judgment according to the word of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He tells truth all the time. He is the way to heaven. No one comes to the Father to heaven except by him. So this is why it's extremely important that we take a look at those kind of things. So that's another reason why I posted such a post. Now let's take a look at one last post here before we start wrapping things up. The next post that I dealt with here has to do with another challenge. And I said, if Muhammad is a prophet like once again, we're asking the same question, why did he not preach salvation through blood or blood atonement? Okay, that's extremely important. Why? Because our Muslim friends think and assume that only the New Testament preached that salvation by, through blood atonement, meaning the, the, the shedding of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross where the Bible says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we become the righteousness of God. But did Moses and Old Testament preach that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Moses and Old Testament preach salvation uh, by blood. And here's, you know, uh, an example. I basically gave a link to a Messianic Jew writer. And uh, the motif of the blood is so strong, so central, and so important in the Pentateuch, this is the writing of Moses, that it is impossible to separate it from the motif of sacrifice and atonement for sin related. The Pentateuch teaches that when someone sins, they must be put to death, or that someone or something else needs to take their place and die in their stead. Notice, that's the, the idea. The wages of sin are death. You either die as a result of sin, or you have someone atone for you. In the Old Testament, it was the animal sacrifice. Now, since there is no temple, no sacrifices, no priests, more and more rabbis these days refuse at least to recognize the importance and centrality, basically, of blood for the atonement and forgiveness of sin. Now, this is coming, by the way, from a website uh, or a blog. It's called One for Israel. And this particular one is called Is Blood Necessary for Atonement of Sins? Written by Eaton Barr. Okay. And... 
Uh, let me see if there is a date even for that particular blog. There isn't, but, but you can go, of course, to www.1forisrael.org, uh, spelled out O-N-E, F as in Frank, O-R as in Romeo, Israel. I-S-R-A-E-L dot org. And in there, search for Is Blood Necessary for Atonement of, of Sins? Or you can go to my own personal Facebook page, uh, which is alfadi.sira, A-L-F as in Frank, A-D-I dot C-I-R-A, alfadi.sira, and go to that particular post and related uh, a challenge, I should say, and I'll tell you actually uh, the exact date. Uh, I believe it's, uh, uh, my apology, it's November 9th. And in there, I gave you a link uh, to this particular uh, blog as well, so you can go and read it. So we go back again to continue in the reading. So he's saying, basically, the author of this particular article is saying, yeah, many rabbis these days are refusing to recognize the centrality, basically, of blood atonement for forgiveness of sin. And um, what is blood atonement in the Bible? Uh, since the beginning, basically, in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, and just before God banished them from the Garden of Eden, he shows them, for the very first time, the principle of blood atonement on which the entire Pentateuch will be based on. How? God and Franken, and he makes Adam and Eve leather garments. So, he kills an animal in their stead. Okay, he said, death, you will die. Okay? Shed in the blood, taking the covering from that, and putting it on them. So, two things have been accomplished. They, basically, were saved from the sin, at least for that moment, by the shedding of blood, and momentarily they had a covering. Jesus permanently, and you become the righteousness of God, basically. In this case, they were not still righteousness. Okay, but they were, at least it appears that God has, by his grace and mercy, have uh, uh, shed the blood of an animal in their place. Okay, and uh, we read this in Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God made for Adam and Eve, uh, uh, made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is the first time that death appears in the scriptures. Adam and Eve, wives are to blood that was shed as a result of sin they committed against God. This is the first time we read about blood atonement. Later on, uh, basically uh, on the eve of the exodus from Egypt, it was the blood of an innocent Passover lamb that was smeared on the and lentils that serves as a sign for the angel of dust, as it is written in Exodus 12, 13. Exodus 12, 13. Read the following. The blood shall be a sign for you, a sign, notice, shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In Exodus 24, when God made the covenant on Mount Sinai with the people of Israel, the people of Israel went through purification by blood and God's covenant with the people was made with blood. Let's read. It says in Exodus 24, verses 6 to 8, And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the 
hearing of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has with you in accordance with all these words. There's a blood covenant here. One, two appease the judgment of God on the altar and one to cover the people with blood basically for the forgiveness of their sin and there's a blood covenant now. Now, uh, the most important translation of the Pentateuch uh, to Aramaic, for instance, uh, uh, was used in the first century. It's Onkelos, basically. And here's how it reads. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the altar for atonement for the people. Okay? That's what it is. In Exodus chapter 30, we read that the Day of Atonement is mentioned for the very first time in the Pentateuch, which later we read about it in Leviticus chapter 16. Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. The horns of what? On basically the the Ark of the Covenant, okay, and the mercy seat. Once a year, with the blood of the sin offering of the atonement, he shall make atonement for it once in a year throughout your generations. Throughout, notice throughout your gen forever there is a blood covenant here okay it is most holy to the lord exodus 30 verse 10 so my friends this is extremely important this is a message that i wanted to share with all of you and let you know that god doesn't play games the wages of sin are death he told adam and eve after they said if they violated his command that death will And people immediately thought it was just a physical death. No, no, it's beyond that. Physical death for sure. But there is spiritual death as well. And that requires atonement for the forgiveness of sin. And that's only by the shedding of blood. And that's why after the law of Moses and Pentateuch, people realize how important it is to do this day in and day out, uh, week in and week out, year in and year out, different festivals, and especially the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, to atone for the entire people of God, basically, and in there, two things are done, an animal sacrifice in the altar in the temple that will be, the blood will be sprinkled on the Ark of the Covenant by the mediator between God and man, that's the high priest, which our Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled that, and then another one, uh, basically, uh, uh, another uh, lamb that he will place, the high priest will place his hands on it as a representation that this lamb will carry, basically, the sin of the people and will be sent in the wilderness uh, far and away to separate basically these uh, uh, sins from the people just as the cross has done separated us from our sins our Lord carried that and then he also fulfilled that judgment and appeased the judgment of God by the shedding of blood and gave us that righteousness this is why it is my invitation to all of you who are listening to this, Muslims and non-Muslims, if you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, it is my invitation for you that you heed these words of the scripture and realize that it is a blood atonement, a blood covering for all generations, and God doesn't change his word, and Jesus Christ came to save us from our sin and from the judgment that is impending and waiting for us, which we are already under wrath. And our time has come to uh, a close, but uh, I want to remind you again that you can always go to our website, for instance, at 
www.sierrainternational, C with a uh, uh, Sierra with a C as a Charlie. Come to go to our archive section. You can go also to um, uh, Omni Studio, for instance, to listen uh, to these archives. You can go to SoundCloud and listen to the majority of them uh, from the beginning until we switch over to uh, Omni Studio. And uh, you can always, of course, go to our YouTube channel, at, which is Sierra International. Subscribe there and uh, become a Patreon patron as well and uh, see if the Lord puts in your heart to uh, partner with us as well. And there, um, you know, uh, gladly send you these updates about our exciting projects, video projects that we've been publishing and more to come. Until we meet again, my prayer is that you uh, will be blessed today. And as you celebrate giving, have a blessed day as well. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.